This morning I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and make your way to the New Testament book of Mark. The New Testament book of Mark. And I will point out that our text verses this morning are also recorded by Matthew in Matthew chapter number 8 verses 23 through 27 and also by Luke in Luke chapter 8 verses 22 through 25. This morning we are in the book of Mark and we are going to be looking at Mark chapter number 4 verse number 35 down through verse number 40. Mark chapter 4 verse 35 down through verse number 40. Notice the Bible reads here in Mark chapter 4 verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, I would direct your attention specifically to the last part of verse number 36. Notice that last sentence in verse number 36. And there were also with him other little ships. The title of the message this morning is very simply, Other Little Ships. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time we have to gather together in your house. We rejoice that on the first day of the week you've placed within our heart a desire to serve you and worship you in your house, to be together with the saints of God, and Lord, to expect the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ with us in this very place. And Lord, we ask that today as we investigate the Scripture, and we, and it's always our intent and purpose to preach Jesus and to apply the Scriptures in a way that we can learn how we ought to daily live here on this earth. I pray that you'd help us to get the message that you have for us to apply it individually, whether it be unto salvation or service or a source of comfort, whatever the purpose is, that you would accomplish your goodwill and purpose. And Lord, help us to magnify you and look to you in all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Other little ships. You will experience storms in your life. But you aren't the only one that will experience storms in your life. Now the passage that we just read, it is a well-known passage. It is often preached on, and I believe rightly referenced, as we focus mainly on the fact that Jesus calms the storm. Jesus stills the sea. And yet, Mark is the only one, and I gave you the reference in Matthew and also in Luke, 
Mark is the only one who records the fact that there were also in the midst of the storm other little ships. You don't get that from reading Matthew's account. You don't get that from reading Luke's account. So literally, in the midst of these hurricane-like conditions, the boat that Jesus is in on the Sea of Galilee is not the only boat that's in the water and the only boat that is going through the storm. There were other little ships. Isn't it true that when we are in the storms of life, adversities, afflictions, trials, testing, tribulations, suffering, isn't it true that usually we are only thinking about ourselves as though we are the only ones that are going through the storms of life? It is very easy to forget that there are other little ships going through the same storms. I submit to you this morning that the whole reason that this is here in Holy Scripture is that we would learn to remember that there are other little ships. Now what can we learn from that? What is the message of this? What do we learn from the fact that there were other little ships? Well, I believe our text reveals three details about these other little ships and the situation that they find themselves in, and I give these to you, and we will examine them each individually in turn. The first detail is this. The other little ships experience the same peril. The same peril. The second detail, the other little ships were recipients of the same protection. The same protection. And then the third detail, and we deviate a little bit from the thought process, the first two details would more or less be comparisons between the other little ships and the the ship that Jesus was in. The third detail would be more of a contrast. And here we see in this detail the big difference. Jesus was not present in the other little ships. Three details that our text reveals from the other little ships, and I think it will help us learn how we are supposed to relate to other little ships. So we begin by considering the first detail. The other little ships experience the same peril as the ship that Jesus was in. And I'm here to tell you that anyone that was on the water that night in the Sea of Galilee was in peril. Now, here's a question. How do we get to the point of thinking about other little ships? If we are in the midst of our own difficulty, and our own trials and afflictions, and we're going through the storms of life, how do we get to the point of of where we're thinking about other little ships? And I believe that it's by examining the fact that they experienced the same peril as the ship that Jesus was in. So first of all, we begin by considering our own situation. 
we consider the apostles' situation in Mark chapter number 4. And very clearly, the Bible here in Mark chapter number 4, as well as Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter number 8, the Bible is very clear on what the apostles were going through as they were in the ship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, if we're going to consider our own situation so that we might be cognizant and aware and remember the other little ships, we have to consider the apostles' situation. And to do that, we start off with thinking about the danger of being on the Sea of Galilee. Now, we often hear terms tossed about when we come to church and we hear preaching and so forth, you know, well, it's the Sea of Galilee. Well, there's more to it than that. There's much for us to learn in thinking about the Sea of Galilee. You see, the disciples and Jesus and these other little ships, they are on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was also referred to as the Sea of Tiberias and the Lake of Gennesaret. And this body of water posed serious threats to anybody that would be on it. In fact, it really isn't a sea at all. It's a lake. It is the lowest freshwater lake on earth. The geography of the lake, historically and biblically, proves to us the serious threat that it posed to anybody that would be on the water. Now, as the lowest freshwater lake on earth, it is 680 feet below sea level. It is 13 by 18 miles uh, in diameter, and the depth of the lake or the sea descends to only 200 feet. And yet, the Sea of Galilee was prone to sudden raging storms and violent waves. What are we, what are we driving at here? We're establishing the fact that by, the, by virtue of being on the Sea of Galilee, there was an inherent danger to that. Let me read this quote to you from one of the Bible encyclopedias. This is in reference to the Sea of Galilee. Surrounded by towering hillsides, ravines on the sea's west side funnel cool air into the basin. When the cool air rushes into hot air, rising from the low sea level valley, the resulting clash can create sudden fierce winds that stir up steep waves. These choppy waves can become big enough to swamp a boat. When you get, uh, when you get a steep chop and no space for the waves to become rolling, there's no time for the boat to climb up one wave and surf naturally down another. The waves simply pound down on the boat's bow, bow, and if caught broadside, the waves can capsize the boat in a moment. Now, this was well known to all of those that lived in the region, especially to those that would be in the boat with the Lord Jesus because many of the disciples and apostles were what? Fishermen. They were well versed with the circumstances and the dangers of being on the Sea of Galilee. Don't you think that we who are experienced in living in this life and undergoing turmoil and tribulation and trial, don't you think we ought to consider that, you know what, 
we're well aware of what can happen in this life and it ought to lead us to think about others. Those of us that have had unique experiences in our lives and things that other and have undergone things that other people will never undergo, we ought to think about that and be sympathetic to those also other little ships that are out on the water. I think about the secular position that that I'm in and the things that I've seen and experienced that you know I hope no one else would ever have to see and experience. And I know Cody and Lawrence see that as well. And uh, man, listen, we ought to have a little bit of compassion for those other little ships that are in the storm of life. We're talking about this detail that we learn from the other little ships that the other ships experience the same peril as Jesus' boat. And how do we get to a point where we can consider the other little ships? We have to consider our own situation. First of all, the dangers of being on the Sea of Galilee. But then notice, secondly, the disaster that the disciples faced as a result of being on the Sea of Galilee. If this doesn't cause us to be sympathetic and empathetic to others, I'm not sure what will. Notice the disaster that they now faced as as a result of being on the Sea of Galilee. Now, what time of day is it? It's evening. In verse number 35, the Bible says, "...on the same day when the even was come." That means that it's evening. It's getting dark. This is These are prime conditions for a storm to kick up on the Sea of Galilee. And what happened? Well, they get in the boat with Jesus to go to the other side of the lake or the sea because Jesus had some business to take care of over there some other people they'd have to deal with. And what happened as they get out onto the lake in the night? Well, notice verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The word great here is literally, in our English language, mega. What do you think of when you think of mega? Mega millions and mega billions, you know, and, and mega churches and things like that. It means that it's large and to a great extent, right? So there's a great storm. And the word storm here in the Greek literally is a whirlwind or a squall. This great whirlwind arises and, and the waves are beating into the ship so that the ship is now full. What's it full of? It's full of water. What happens when a vessel gets filled with water? Okay, It's going to go down. And so literally they are in peril. Matthew describes it this way. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 24, And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now the word tempest there is an interesting word because every other time that it is translated into the English out of the Greek it's translated with the English word earthquake it is literally as though they are in the midst of this lake and an earthquake is is a stirring underground and it's causing the boat to just be jarred about and filled with water can you imagine if you're out on a lake and an earthquake hits the lake what would you think Would you say, man, we're in peril. We're going to die tonight. This is the attitude that the disciples had. 
And then Luke, in Luke chapter 8, verse 23, Luke describes it this way, But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Guess what the word jeopardy means? Literally, to be in peril. Hey, these, this was a perilous situation. This was a difficult situation. They thought they were going to die. Now let me ask you this. If you've ever been in a position or a situation where you thought you were going to die and someone else was in the same situation, what was your attitude? Did you say, well, you know, serves them right. I hope I had to go through that. I hope they go down as well. I mean, no, no believer in the Lord Jesus Christ would have that attitude. Guess what? They're in peril, but so are the other little ships. This tempest did not happen only affecting the boat that Jesus was in. This was a storm that was on the lake, on the sea. So, how do we get to a point where we could consider the other little ships? Well, we have to consider our own situation... And that will lead us to empathy and sympathy for others. But then secondly, uh, we have to be conscious of the other little ships and their situation. Now, we don't know definitively who was in the other little ships. Now, there is some indication that these might have been followers of the Lord Jesus Christ based upon the wording in Mark chapter number 4. You can go back and review that. Uh, they could have been people that were just curious and uh, wanted to see where the Lord was going, although that would be highly unlikely. And I can explain that to you, probably not during the message, but some other reasons that lead me to believe that. But we don't know who was in the other boats for sure, but we do know this. Whoever they were that were in those other little ships, they were facing the same peril that the apostles were facing as the apostles were in the boat with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have to be conscious of other people's situations, other little ship situations. First of all, when we think about the situation that these other little ships found themselves in, they willingly followed Jesus into the water. They weren't forced to do that. They willingly followed Jesus into the water. Look at verse verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. Now watch. And there were also with him other little ships. There's no doubt that these other little ships launched out in an effort to follow the Lord Jesus Christ where the Lord was going. Now they knew the dangers of being on that sea at that time of night, and yet they went anyway. You know what we ought to do? We ought to try to help those who are trying to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and they find themselves out in the midst of a mighty storm. Oftentimes, we bicker about, well, you don't believe this doctrine and you don't believe that doctrine and you don't believe the head covering, you don't believe the, the holidays, and you, you name it. And we're fighting about stuff that is ridiculous in the sight of God. And I say ridiculous because a lot of these issues, you can't say dogmatically one way or the other. 
but we've arrived at a point where we're going to say dogmatically, if you don't see it my way, then good luck in the storms that you're going to face. What a shame. Having gone through the storms, we ought to try to help those who are following the Lord Jesus. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter number 9. I preached on this topic before that we see in Luke chapter number 9. <coughs> and I don't know uh, anyone else who's ever preached on this. I'm sure that there are people that have preached on this topic. Brother, Brother Ted Tweed happened to be here. He was passing through and uh, he preached in the morning and I preached in the evening. And I preached on this verse and he told me he'd never heard anybody preach on this verse before. Okay, Now watch. Luke chapter number 9 verses 49 and 50. Luke chapter number 9, verses 49 and 50. Notice what the Bible says here. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. You know what? Could I say that they were probably in another little ship? They weren't in the same boat. But Jesus says, you know what? We, we, ought, to, we ought to be a, a, a help to them. We ought not to forbid them because He that is not against us is for us. We ought to take time to help those that are willingly attempting to follow the Lord Jesus Christ into the storms of life. We might not agree on everything. We might not be where they're at. But these other little ships are mentioned in Scripture for a purpose, and I think it's because we ought to consider the other little ships. We ought to be conscious of the other little ships' situation, that they willingly followed Jesus into the water. And then notice that their vessels, secondly, their vessels did not seem to be fitted for the voyage. Their vessels did not seem to be fitted for the voyage. Now, notice what, notice what Mark writes. He says, and there were also with him other ships. No, that's not what he wrote. He didn't say that there were also with him other ships. He said that there were also with him other little ships. Little ships. We believe in the plenary Verbal inspiration of Scripture, word for word, not thought for thought, not dynamic inspiration, but thought for thought. The words mean something. They were in other little ships. Man, listen, I'm going to tell you what. If you're out on the body of water and a tempest kicks up, you're going to probably hope you're not in a canoe. You're probably going to hope that you're not in a little rowboat. You're going to hope that you're probably in a vessel that is seaworthy and can, can, can guard you and guide you during the storm. Have you ever heard of the ancient Galilee boat? Has anybody ever heard of the ancient Galilee boat? I'm going to take that as no. Either that or you're not paying attention. Nobody's heard of the ancient Galilee boat. It's also known as the Jesus boat. Okay, Bear with me. Don't turn me off yet. Okay, Hopefully you haven't already. There was a drought in 1986. That was a great year, right, Lauren? 1986. Browns made the AFC Championship game. No, I'm kidding. There's two fishermen. They're brothers. 
They're amateur archaeologists. They discover in the Sea of Galilee an ancient boat. They contact authorities. Experts came and excavated the remains of this boat. It was a cedar boat, a boat made out of cedar that was dated back to somewhere between 100 B.C. and 200 A.D. This would have been the time frame that Jesus was on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. Now, I am not saying that this is the boat that Jesus was in. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to show you what kind of boat they used during those days. Okay. Now, this boat was 27 feet long, 7.5 feet wide, and 4 feet high. It had a pointed bow, a rounded aft section, and a sail. In fact, Rembrandt painted a famous painting of of the, the boat in the midst of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Guess what? There's no indication that the other little ships were this kind of a boat. The indication is that they were in smaller ships. And if they're in smaller ships or boats, then does that not cause them to be more in peril than somebody who would be in a larger boat? I submit to you that these vessels, even though they ventured out and were following the Lord Jesus Christ into the Sea of Galilee, they did not seem to be fitted for the voyage. Now how many people do you know? that are flailing away on the sea of life. Ready to go under with the storm. Their boat is full of water. And they don't have the capacity to deal with this. They don't have the requisite resources or skills to make it to the other shore. Do you not see these people all the time in your life? I see them every day in my secular profession. And it would be easy to say, well, you know what? They've made their bed. Just let them lie in it. Who are we supposed to carry the message of Christ to? Are we not supposed to carry the message of Christ to those that are drowning in the sea of life, tossed about with every storm and tempest? Jesus Christ says, those that are burdened and heavy laden Come unto me and I will give you rest. I will cause you to be still in the midst of life's storms. Are we considering the other little ships? So we have to consider our own situation. Be conscious of other situations. And then lastly, when we're talking here about uh, the first detail that the the other little ships experienced the same peril as the boat that Jesus was in, we have to conduct ourselves selflessly and sacrificially. Having been or now in the same trials, we should remember what it's like, should we not? Hey, let me ask you this. What were the apostles thinking about in the midst of the storm? Well, let's read it. Look at verse 38. In Mark chapter 4, verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that everyone on the sea is going to perish? Carest thou not that those 
that are in the other little ships and us, we're all going to perish? They didn't say that. They said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You see, in the midst of life, we can get to a point where we only care about our own. You know, well, my family's okay. My wife's okay. My children are okay. Why would I care about the other little ships that are on the sea? Well, you know what? We ought to. You know, Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, listen to this. But when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was moved with compassion. When is the last time you were moved with compassion? When is the last time you thought about anybody other than yourself or your immediate family? Master, don't you care that I'm going to perish? Versus Master, the sea is full of these other little ships. And lest you reach out, we all go down. Jesus cared about others. Jesus had compassion on others. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be selfless. And sacrificial. That's the hallmark of a Christian. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And notice here what Paul writes to the church at Corinth in his second letter to them, his second epistle to them. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, notice verses 3 through 6. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Now watch. Why does God, the God of all comfort, comfort us? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. What is Paul saying? Your life is not to be lived only for self. You know, I submit to you that the most miserable creatures on this earth are narcissists. That it's all about them. And only about them. And everyone else exists to meet their need. What a miserable existence. Paul says God comforts us that we, as we go through these sufferings and trials and tribulations we can also comfort others that are going through the same thing. But you can't do that if you don't know that there are other little ships on the sea of life. Herbert Lockyer preached a message on this topic. And he wrote this. When we sink our personal griefs in the consciousness of other suffering hearts, we not only help them bear their burden we also take the sharp sting out of our own bitter experience. Thinking of others produces sacrifice whereby fellow sufferers are enriched. Thus our grief ennobles our own life and enriches others. 
I'm here to tell you, there are other little ships that you know about. Stop looking at self. Stop considering only your own needs. You're going to perish. We're all going to perish. Can we not live a life that is selfless and sacrificial in helping others? Well, we move on to the second detail as we hurry along. We'll have to be quick about these last two. The second detail is this. The other little ships were recipients of the same protection as the ship that the apostles were in. The other little ships benefited from the miracle that Jesus performed. This is an amazing thing. Now, the fact that the other little ships benefited from the miracle that Jesus performed, first of all, it proves the benevolent love of Jesus. And there are some people through the years that have mystified me in their take on the benevolent love of God. Well, you know, God you know, God only loved uh, Jacob, and he hated Esau, and so God only loves the elect. No, God is benevolent to his creation. God has a love for mankind. Now, think about this. The fact that the other little ships were recipient of the same protection that Jesus afforded the apostles in their boat... It proves the benevolent love of Jesus because Jesus didn't just care for and look out for the apostles. Watch. Look at your text in Mark chapter number 4. Look at verse number 39. In Mark chapter 4, verse number 39, And He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto what? The sea. The sea. Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Can you imagine the other little ships? Wow! What a miracle! They observed the miracle that the Lord Jesus Christ performed, and they were recipients of this miracle. This proves the benevolent love of Jesus. Listen to this quote from Brother Charles Spurgeon, and you find this in his morning and evening devotional. It's a little bit lengthy, so bear with me. Jesus was the Lord High Admiral of the sea that night, and His presence preserved the whole convoy. It is well to sail with Jesus, even though it be in a little ship. When we sail in Christ's company, we may not make sure of fair weather, for great storms may toss the vessel which carries the Lord Himself, and we must not expect to find the sea less boisterous around our little boat. When the storm swept over Galilee's dark lake, All faces gathered blackness, and all hearts dreaded shipwreck. When all creature help was useless, the slumbering Savior arose and with a word transformed the riot of the tempest into the deep quiet of a calm. Then were the little vessels at rest as well as that which carried the Lord. God can calm the sea such that the other little vessels that Jesus is not in are are benefited by the benevolent love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, this is a Bible doctrine. Yes, the Bible doctrine of election is, is true. It is. We cannot deny that. And yet the benevolent love of God towards His creation is just as true. Psalm 145 verse 9, The Lord is good to all. 
And His tender mercies are over all His works. In Matthew 5, verse 45, a portion of that verse reads, For He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And then in Isaiah chapter 25, and verse number 4, the prophet reciting the glory of God and praise to the Almighty, he writes, For Thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Who does that? God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. The other ships were recipients of the same protection as the apostles as the boat that the apostles were in. This proves the benevolent love of Jesus and it points to the benefits of being near the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't in the boat, but He was near their boat. And He was with them. Because in our text it says, and there were also with Him other little ships. Jesus was not in the boat of the other, the boats of the other little ships. He was physically in the boat that the apostles were in. And yet, we see the benefits of being near Jesus. Jesus went into a land of Gennesaret. And as He goes into the land of Gennesaret, He's going there to heal those that were diseased and afflicted. And all of those that were diseased and afflicted, they came and gathered round the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read this in Matthew 14 and verse 36. And they besought Him that they might only touch the hem of His garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Man, just a touch of the hem of the garment of Jesus can sustain, can deliver can protect. You remember the centurion in Scripture? Not the one that was present at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, but this centurion that, 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 that was a man of authority. I mean, he had, he had soldiers that were under him. He was a man of rank and prestige. And he comes to the Lord in Matthew chapter number 8 and he says, Lord, my servant is ill. This was a, a valued a valued individual to this centurion. And, and the, the, the centurion is, is pleading with the Lord Jesus Christ to, to heal this servant. And we read this in Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. When the Lord heard that, he went on to say, that he had not heard of so great faith in all of Israel. And you know what? The servant was healed, even though Jesus was never present where the servant was at. The Lord spoke the word. Hey, listen, there are benefits of being near Jesus. Do you know that our nation historically has benefited by the fact that we were a nation that chose to serve the Lord God Almighty. We benefited. All peoples in this land benefited from that. And we will suffer. 
as we turn our back on the Lord. There are benefits to being near Jesus. So we see the first two details. That uh, the other ships were in the same peril as the boat that Jesus was in. Second detail, the other ships were recipients of the same protection as the boat that the apostles were in. Then we bring this to a close and consider the third detail, the big difference. Jesus was not present in the other little ships. Now, I want to say this, and I want you to remember this from the message. Even though it is good to be near Jesus, it's better to have Him in your boat. Hey, listen, it's good to be near Jesus. It was good for the other little ships to be near Jesus. They had the same protection, even though they were in the same peril. But you know what? It is better to have Jesus in your boat. Now think about this. Because Jesus was present in the boat with the apostles, they could literally personally petition Him. They went to Him as He was sleeping. Look at at verse number 38. And He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake Him and say unto Him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Do you know that when Jesus is present in your life, you will feel a boldness to come unto Him and seek His face. Do you remember this guy by the name of Thomas? Didymus? What do we know Him as? Doubting Thomas. Why do we call Him Doubting Thomas? Because after the Lord had been resurrected, He had appeared to the church. And guess who was absent? Thomas was absent. He was not there. And the Bible tells us that when the Lord appeared, Thomas wasn't there. And because Thomas did not have the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, he did not see Him personally. What did Thomas say? Well, you know, I'm not going to believe except I can thrust my hand into His side and my, you feel the print of the nails in His hand. Do you know that when you're apart from the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, it affects your faith and your view of the Lord Jesus Christ? The big difference was that Jesus was not present in the other little ships. Because He was not present, or because He was present in the apostleship, they could petition Him. And because they could petition Him, He performed their request. Look at this again. Look, look, at, verse, look at verse number 38. Or verse number thir- yes, the last part of verse number 38. Master, carest thou not that we perish? What did Jesus do? Oh, He rolled over and went back to sleep. You know, those of us that are parents, you ever have your kids come in? You know, it's Saturday morning, and you want to sleep in on Saturday morning. You know, and here's these little rugrats, you know, you know, pulling you, you know, hey, wake up, wake up. Remember, we were over in Ohio one time at Angie's, and I'm sleeping in, and Xavier comes and jumps on me, you know, and I, I almost beat that little Chinese fellow to death. Uh, I wanted to. Let me sleep! We didn't care. Ah, it's okay. Someone else will take care of us. Is that what Jesus did? Oh, he just rolled over and went back to sleep. Hey, we're dying. That's all right. You're going to heaven. It'll all be okay. No. Look at verse number 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said into the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Here's the progression, Right? When Jesus is not present, you doubt. And you don't have the faith to ask. 
And what did James say about why we don't have what we need? We don't have what we need because we don't ask. And when we don't ask, don't expect to receive. We don't ask or we ask amiss. And then notice this last point that we make and we'll be done. There's a lesson to us all that we are to savor the presence of the Savior. We are to savor the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you value the presence of the Lord in your life? J. Brownlow North famously wrote, the problem with the lost sinner is that he doesn't desire the presence of God in his life. He's content without the presence of God. He's content doing his own thing. Notice what Jesus says in verse number 40. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now what is Jesus saying? He's saying, What is wrong with you? I am master and Lord of all, including the elements. Do you think really in your mind that because I am sleeping, I don't care about you? That because I am sleeping, I'm somehow going to allow you to drown in the elements? Where is your faith? If you have trusted me as Savior and Lord, do you not believe that I can deliver you in the midst of the storm? They were not savoring the presence of the Savior. And some of us get to a point in our lives where we are not savoring the presence of the Savior. We have a, we have a benefit that the other little ships didn't have. Jesus was not present in their boat. And He's present in our lives. And we don't savor that. W.B. Philpott, the old preacher, wrote, Too many Christians, nay, almost all of us, at too many times, Though we have Christ with us, do not profit by His presence, nor enjoy Him as we ought. We should not only have Christ, but having Him, ah, why have we not that faith, that assurance of faith, that full assurance of faith, which can realize and utilize His presence? Are you enjoying the Lord Jesus Christ? Are, are, you, are you relishing the very presence of the Lord in your life. He does not leave us nor forsake us. He goes with us, lest we go, that's a completely different sermon, we go on in sin, don't expect Jesus to go with us there. Now, think about this. These other little ships, though they were benefited by the protection of the Lord, they could not see Jesus. They could not speak to Jesus. You know, I'd rather have Jesus present. I'd rather be able to see Jesus spiritually and speak to Him spiritually. I'd rather have Jesus in my boat sleeping than to be in another little ship without the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a question. Have you become content without the presence of Jesus? Go back and read the Song of Solomon. That's a dangerous position to be in. Man, listen. We ought to thrive and desire the presence of Jesus in our boat. Well, we talked today about these other little ships. 
Our text reveals three details from these other little ships. The other little ships experienced the same peril. They were recipients of the same protection. But there's a big difference. Jesus wasn't present in their boat. I pray the Lord will speak to you this morning as you need it. As He sees fit. And that ultimately, in our lives, we would remember that on the sto- in the storms of life, there are other little ships. Let's pray.